I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Reyes Tukhanov and broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. Hope you're well. It's a slightly different format to most weeks as we recap match day 21 in La Liga. We'll be checking in with all of our squad members in a series of little chats. It will still be all packed into a tight half hour and we've got all bases covered for you. So without further ado, we start off with Barcelona. Champions maintained their five-point lead at the top of the table as they beat Girona by two goals to nil. You might remember this was the game that could have been moved to Miami, but it ended up staying at Montilivi. And Nelson Semedo with a left-foot strike and then a lovely lob from Lionel Messi to clinch the win, with Bernardo Espinosa sent off for two yellow cards in between. Also in Catalonia, it finished to Espanyol 2, Real Madrid 4. A double from Karim Benzema, plus a Sergio Ramos header and a lovely turn and finish from Gareth Bale, while Leo Bartistao and Roberto Rosales provided emphatic finishes for their goals for the home side. A Rafa Varane also given a straight red card, by the way. Roman Derquer is our man in Catalonia. Uh, so, Roman, let's start off with the regional derby. Uh, Ernesto Valverde picked a solid team. He put faith once again in Philippe Coutinho, but he seems to be struggling for consistency, doesn't he? And they had to work hard for this win. So, uh, what was your overall assessment of Barcelona? Well, I think Valverde chose the wrong approach for this game with uh, Busquets, Rakitic and Arturo Vidal in midfield. And they lacked creativity because Coutinho wasn't really good in that sense. So I think things really changed when Artur came in, the Brazilian. He was creative, he gave pause, he gave calmness to the midfield and from there on Barca really improved and that changed their style of playing. And we say this practically every week, Lionel Messi uh, was the star, uh, but what was the most impressive thing about his display? Well, it's really hard to give any adjectives, you know, to describe Messi. Game after game, he's just so consistent and he scores lovely goals, such as the one we saw against Bono with that beautiful lob. But in this game, I think his passing was just on point. He was just capable of finding those gaps between defenders and liberating his, his teammates to create better chances and, and finally the goals the Barca scored. Now, what about the Copa del Rey? Because Barcelona trails Sevilla 2-0 in the quarterfinals ahead of the second leg this week. Um, as a culé, are you confident that they can turn it around? Well, to be honest, I'm not too confident, especially after what Valverde and Piqué implied after the game against Sevilla. They were saying that if they didn't win this game, it would be okay. They would just focus on on the next competition. But usually they would say, okay, we're going to go 100%. We're going to win this game. We're going to try our best. And they said none of that. So I think they're focusing on the Champions League and La Liga. And a quick word on Girona. They're in that cluster of teams just above the relegation zone. How, How much do you fear for them? To be honest, I don't fear much for them. I mean, after the Barca game, they can come to positive conclusions because they played really well, even with 10 men. I mean, they have Stuani, who's having a magnificent season. Porto is improving game after game. And then uh, Eusebio is giving chances to young players such as Valeri or Pedro Porro, who are responding really well. So I think it's just a matter of time until those good results come. 
Okay, let's switch to Real Madrid's demolition of Espanyol. Uh, plenty of praise for Karim Benzema. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the portada, the front page of Marca, saying uh, El Mago Karim, so calling him a magician. Uh, he says that he's a nine with the soul of a ten. Uh, Lucas Vasquez is saying that he's the best number nine in the world. What's your take on all this? I agree with Benzema's statement way more than with Lucas Vasquez's one. <laughs> to be honest, he's a great um, number ten. He's great at opening up defences. He has a great vision to pass the ball to and free his teammates. So... I think that's that's the key of, of Benzema, you know, he's not a number nine, a pure number nine, a guy who can score lots and lots of goals. He, his best season, he scored 32 goals in 52 games in all competitions, whereas Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, was used to scoring 50, 60 goals a season. So people sometimes expect too much of him in that sense. And it's 10 goals and three wins in a week for Madrid. So how do you see them now compared to before? What was changed? Well, it's surprising to see how they've changed so much. They had like a really good period at the beginning when Solari came in. Then suddenly they were playing really bad after that Eibar defeat. And now they're playing again really well after that Sevilla win. So it's really hard to point out what what's changing after such a short period. But I think they're doing really well in recovering those players which were injured or suspended recently. And then players like Benzema and Vinicius are really consistent. And so that's really helping the team to come out from the this dark hole they were in. And also I like I really like one thing about Solari and it's that he gives opportunities to the young players such as Cristo, such as Fede Valverde, such as Odriozola. I mean these guys know that if they train hard and play really well they're gonna get a chance and that always helps the team to play better. And of course, there's a key month coming up, isn't it? With the Madrid derby in La Liga, the Copa del Rey continuing, Champions League is back, of course. Uh, I'll tell you what, could you maybe rank those three competitions uh, in terms of what the priorities are for Real Madrid? Madrid's number one priority is always the Champions League. No matter how many they win, they're just still going to want more and more and more. So that's certainly number one. Then secondly, I'd say the Copa del Rey this year because they haven't won it since 2014. And finally, La Liga. They're 10 points behind Barca. It's going to be really tough. They're going to have lots of suspensions and injuries for the upcoming game. So I think that one is probably going to be the one they're going to give up. And before we let you go, Roman, uh, for Espanyol, nine defeats in ten in La Liga. I mean, to say that they're in free fall is putting it mildly. What is the most urgent thing for Ruby to sort out then? Well, I think Espanyol are really struggling physically. You can tell the players are, are struggling. They're tired. Borja Iglesias, uh, Marc Roca, these guys are, have played so many games, so many minutes. They need rest and they need new signings for sure. I mean, they just brought in the guy from the Chinese Super League, Wu Lei, who's a good striker supposedly, but we have to see how he adapts. But I think they need a few more signings to bring in, you know, freshness, to bring in energy and hopefully get out of this really tough situation. All right, we're going to have to leave it there, Roman, but thank you so much. Uh, our next stop, everyone, is the Spanish capital. Well, two games to focus on in Madrid. Atletico's 2-0 victory over Hedafa with goals from Antoine Griezmann and Saul as they extend their unbeaten run in La Liga. Uh, Genet and Leandro Cabrera sent off late on as well for Hedafa. And there was also Leganes 2, Eibar 2, the visitors in control at half-time after a Kike Garcia header from a corner and a quite superb Joan Jordan free kick. But to two goals from Yusuf Enesiri gave Lega another point at Butadke. Let's speak to uh, Ewan Muktir, who is uh, in Madrid for La Liga Lodan. Hi there, Ewan. So, um, eight goals and eight games for Antoine Antoine Griezmann, um, but who else impressed in this game for you? Yeah, in this one I was really impressed with uh, Thomas Partey. I mean, he gets a lot of credit for his defensive work alongside Rodrigo, and you know, rightly so. 
But we often forget that he's you know, a skillful, creative player as well. He plays actually as an attacking midfielder for Ghana and he showed why with those two defence splitting passes. And also a shout out for Jose Maria Jimenez who was basically unbeatable in defence and who really stepped up in the second half when Godin went off. Yeah, and I'd add uh, Rodri to that list as well. What about Godin, though? Because uh, another muscle injury, um, this is happening quite regularly now, isn't it, Fuerteti? So um, are Profe Ortega's training methods under scrutiny at all, would you say? I don't think so. I think we've seen over the years that Atletico uh, usually or often have fewer injuries than most La Liga sides. So I don't think it's the training methods because these haven't really changed. I think it's just age, you know. A lot of the players who've been the worst affected, like Godin and also Felipe Luiz, are, you know, they're now on the wrinkly side of 30 and it's, it's <laughs> logical that they should suffer more injuries. Um, it also doesn't help that they have one of the smaller squads in the division, so you notice it a bit more. Yeah, and I guess with all these injuries, we've seen more of the young players, particularly on the bench. And, and Victor Mollejo made his La Liga home debut uh, in this game. He was lively. Just tell us a little bit about him and some of the other youngsters coming through. Yeah, he's only actually just turned 18 last week. He's really exciting prospect. And like every striker that comes through at Atletico Academy, he's compared to Fernando Torres. But I think it's not the worst comparison in the world this time, even if I'd advise not putting extra pressure on him. There's uh, Francisco Montero, the 20-year-old centre-back. He's already played 10 times this season. And then there's Borja Garfez, a striker like Mollejo, who scored when he made his debut against Ibar early in the season. And there was actually a song by some of the Atletico fans um, behind the goal in this game, and it said, Fewer Maratas and more Borja Garfez. And some of them were whistled by other fans, and this is going to be a, a point of contention, I think, in the next few weeks. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about Alvaro Morata because Simeone's record with transfers this season, at least, is a, is a little mixed. Rodri Santiarias, that's worked, but Thomas Lamar, uh, jury's still out. Jelson uh, Martins hasn't worked. Nikola Kalinic also not quite. So, so where does Morata fit? Do you think, Ewan? Well, yeah, I think we do need to keep in mind that not all these transfers were Simeone's. He has a big say in transfer policy, of course, but the club often see opportunities and go for them. And I think this is one of those those cases where Simeone kind of likes a player and they also see an opportunity. I, though, I'm a little bit sceptical. I mean, he's great in the air and I think that's going to be good for Atletico because they need another player like that. But you can't forget just how poor he's been at Chelsea. And then there's the Real Madrid factor. Personally, I don't really mind, but if this is going to be a distraction after every game, after every poor performance, then that's not not really going to help Atletico Madrid. Mm. And on Hedafe, by the way, uh, this record they've got against Atletico, last 15 meetings, they've drawn two, lost 13, scored none, conceded 30. Uh, why do they find it so hard? Well, I think they're like Atletico late. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, they're so like Atletico Madrid and cause problems for other teams. But if there's one side that knows how to deal with them, then it's Atletico. Their forwards go up against a solid back line every day in, in training. It's like it's like Hitafi are like a fake Rolex, better than most other watches, <laughs> but still not the real deal. It's not the real Rolex. And when they come up against that, which is Atletico Madrid, then you know they're going to lose out. Yeah, a few things just stop working. Um, what about Hitafi? Do you think they'll make Europa League this season, Ewan? I think so, and who knows, maybe as Copa del Rey winners, I wouldn't rule it out. Ooh, OK. Uh, now, you were at the other game, Abu Darke, Leganes versus Eibar. Uh, two good goals in this one from uh, Yusuf Enesiri. How crucial is he for Leganes in terms of their survival fight, would you say? I think really important. He's now the top scorer uh, with six goals, and they do have two great strikers now with Martin Braithwaite and Guido Carrillo, but I think they're going to need those goals from the second line. Their central midfielders don't really contribute in terms of goals, so they need these kind of wingers and, and second line forwards like Nesri uh, to come up with the goals, and, and that's what he's been doing in the last couple of home games. Uh, and for Eibar, well, it's two points dropped, uh, just one win away in 11 in all competitions. Uh, what do you put that down to? 
I don't necessarily think they're bad away from home. I think the thing with Iber is that they're especially good at home. Iparua is not an easy place to go, so I think they earn more points than they should up there. And they probably earn as many points away from home as they should. And for both teams, of course, uh, the aim will be always to avoid relegation, stay in La Liga. How well equipped would you say they are respectively to do that? I think Eibar are a little bit more well equipped for this than Leganes. They have more players that can come up with goals in decisive moments. They have Pedro Leon coming back as well in a couple of weeks. And they have a manager in Mendilibar who's basically spent his whole life fighting relegation battles. Leganes, on the other hand, I mean, they do have a few players and I think they'll earn enough points at home. Uh, they're definitely giving themselves a good chance, but I think the team I'd worry a little bit more about is Leganes. OK, cheers for that, Ewan. That is it for part one of this Lally Galodown mini-pod, but still plenty to discuss in part two, including the Valencian Community Derby and lots of action in the Basque Country as well. We're back in just a moment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Redis Tukhanov, broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. So four games down, six to go on match day 21. So let's crack on and talk about one of the biggest games of the weekend at Mestalla, where Valencia took on Villarreal and won by three goals to nil. Uh, Mukhtar Diakabi headed home the opener from a Dani Parejo free kick inside three minutes, originally ruled out for offside, but then overturned by VAR. And then after the break... Awful Villarreal defending. Dani Parejo played in Denis Cherishev to finish left-footed. And then sub Ferran Torres crossed for Rodrigo to head home the third. Uh, so pretty easy, really, for Valencia. Let's talk to Paco Bolit about this one. He is our man in Valencia. Well, first of all, how good were Valencia? How bad would Villarreal? Just give us sort of, a, I don't know, marks out of 10 for both of these two teams. Well, in Valencia's case, obviously an 8 out of 10 because they were brilliant overall in the game, but they missed clear chances in the first half, but they did excellent in the second half in the way they played and, and Parejo moved around the team. Whereas for Villarreal, I believe 2 out of 10 would be fair Whoa. because of Santi Cazorla redeeming quality, but overall they were rubbish. Uh, what about um, Denis Cherishev? He scored the second goal. How important was that for him, especially with Gonzalo Guedes waiting in the wings, ready to get back involved? Well, the, the scoring was super important for, for the Russian winger because he was being very heavily criticised lately and in fact many fans believe that Marcelino should have played Kanji Lee, the youngster, 17 years old very talented but uh, Marcelino went with Cherichev and he responded with that goal and with an overall great performance so I believe he should gain at least a bit of confidence towards upcoming games. Uh, and what about Marcelino? Because he's been under a bit of pressure two wins in two league games is the pressure off him now? Definitely not. He has been backed <laughs> up thoroughly by the management and by the board. But, you know, Copa del Rey has fans hopeful that they are going to be able to reach semi-finals. And there's an upcoming crucial game against Getafe with bad blood between Pepe Borbalas and Marcelino. So I think he's 
for the time being clear from danger, but he definitely needs to string a couple more wins in La Liga in order to keep that confidence building. What about Valencia now? Uh, is there any chance that they could make Champions League back on? I mean, they're, they're seven points off fourth place. What do you reckon? To be honest, I believe it's still early to this kind of assessment because uh, there has been a reaction, but we have seen this earlier a couple of times already this season. You win a couple of games, people get hopeful, and suddenly the team gets crashing down in the most unexpected way. So mm. I think that maybe Valencia's reaction is a fluke this time around once again. So let's see if Valencia find that consistency and are able to climb up some more spots and be closer to those Champions League uh, spots. Now then, Villarreal, no win in six games in La Liga under Luis García Plaza. Who's at fault here? I thought that at one point that the defence was to blame lately. Uh, I also thought about the offence and not scoring. But the other day, I believe that the midfield was responsible for the lack of consistency of the team. So overall, I think the team is a hot mess right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm especially disappointed with Iborra because I thought he was going to be able to have an immediate impact. But I have quite a lot of uh, steam for Luis García Plaza. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes right now. It's a difficult situation. I mean, especially when you've got to deal with someone like Gerard Moreno, who's obviously a talented player. He's Villarreal's record signing. He scored 19 goals for Espanyol last season. He dropped him for this game, as you suggested he might. But you've still got an issue to deal with here. So how do you solve a problem like Gerard Moreno? Well, um, last week we said that he was not going to start this game and, and we were spot on. But I think that Gerard Moreno eventually will score because he's, he's a good player and, and he, will, he will eventually improve. But I wouldn't take out of the equation a possible signing. Maybe an attacker would help them quite a lot. But at the same time, I believe that they also need a signing in the back. I don't know what they are going to do, but if they do not hurry up and start winning games, they are going to have a very, very bad headache from now to the end of the season. Yeah, it's time to find out what that yellow submarine is made of. Thank you very much indeed, Paco. Well, this was our chosen game on Partidas or Predictions. It's a, a video thread that we do on our Twitter feed, at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter, uh, every single Friday. Um, Paco Roman and I went for home wins. We all backed Valencia to win, but none of us got the scoreline exactly right. So we all have one more point. This is how the overall standings look. Paco, 21 points. Uh, Ewan is on 14. I move up to 11. Roman moves up to 10. Alex stays on 7. Okay, so that's the Valencian Community Derby done and dusted. Next, we're off to the Basque Country. Okay, three more games to tell you about. Athletic Club continued their resurgence under Gaisa Caritano with a 1-0 win at home to Rabetis. Iker Muniain with a smartly taken goal, but Oscar de Marcos was sent off late on. It's a third straight draw for Real Sociedad in all competitions. 0-0 against the West on the bottom side, who hit the post through Yangel Herrera. And in the Monday night match, Alaves were finally beaten at home this season. Uh, they lost to Rayo Vallecano by a single goal scored by Raul de Tomas, and Rayo are finally out of that bottom three. Uh, so let's reflect on those games with Alex Johnson, who is La Liga Lowdown's lady in the north of Spain. Um, Alex, let's start off with Athletic then, that victory over Betis, uh, now seven La Liga games unbeaten under Gaisca Garitano. And afterwards, he talked about the bond uniting everyone, everyone identifying with what they're doing at the club. So tell us, how has he actually achieved that on the pitch? Yeah, I think there's mainly two keywords here. It's work ethic and it's teamwork. He's just gotten his team to work very, very well together and everyone to give everything out on that pitch. They are working together when it comes to pressuring high, to organise and defence. Just everything is working well together in this team at the moment. And let's just pick out one player in this team, Iker Muniain. So good to see him back 
in form after those injury problems. It does, to me, feel like we've got a new Munyain here, like Munyain 2.0, if you like. What, what kind of qualities is he showing right now? Yeah, for sure. Definitely there is his technical abilities that we all know of. But he also has a very fast football brain. And he also has a very good understanding with his teammates. And one for me that stands out is his connection together with Inaki Williams. More than that, it's his leadership. He's just matured a lot and he's just taking a lot of more responsibility. Real Sociedad saw 68% of the ball. They were at home to Huesca. They would have surely expected uh, to win that game. But how do you assess how things are going on the Imanol Aguacid right now? They're unbeaten in six, but of course, four of those games have been draws. Well, the results looks great in, in the sense that they, they are unbeaten, as you say. But if you look at what they're actually doing, there's not that much difference from how it looked like under Garitano. There's mainly one thing that Imanol has gotten completely right, and that is playing William Jose in his right position, which also has generated in some important goals. But more than that, this is a very, very young team that needs an experienced coach, I would say, someone that can show them the way. And maybe Imanol is just not the right fit. Just briefly on Wesker, though, before we, we leave that game, it's their first clean sheet of the season. How much significance does that have for you? I think quite a lot, because in the situation that Huesca is at at the moment, every small victory becomes quite a big one. Uh, and just looking back to last weekend, there was these pictures of Alex Gallar sitting on the bench after that match, crying his eyes out over the fact that they only have 11 points in the table. Uh, and seeing that, you kind of understand that a small thing is, is keeping a clean sheet for the first time is a huge thing, even though they know that they will probably be relegated. All small victories at these points is, is just a big moral boost, I think, for that team. Uh, what about Rayo, that game at Mensorotza? They're now out of the relegation zone. Four wins in five. They beat Alaves by a goal to nil. Um, a towering header from Raul de Tomas at the back post. Uh, what, what do you like about him? For me, the thing that stands out with Raul Tomas is just his energy and how hungry he is for scoring. And more than that, it's the way he scores goals because he scores in every single way. He scores with his left foot, with his right foot, with his head from free kicks. He has to do it in all ways. And it's his first away goal for Rayo this season and it's given Alaves their first home defeat this campaign. Not just that though, uh, it's one point taken from the last nine on offer uh, from Abelardo's side. Uh, is there genuine reason to be concerned here, Alex, or, or is it just the sort of correction that we were expecting with Alaves? Well, I'm, I'm not really surprised at all on how it's going and I don't think really that Alaves is either because the way that they have been playing, of giving everything you have on, out on that pitch uh, about attitude, about energy and in the long run your energy will, will run out. Uh, more than that, they've also lost Ibai Gomez to Athletic who's probably been their best player and most important player this season and then their second most important player, I would say Johnny, has been out injured so there's just a lot of things just falling out of place for Alaves at the moment but it's nothing to worry about. I think it's expected and I think it is in the plans of Ablardo that this hit would come sooner or later. And of course that result at Mensorotza means that Celta Vigo are now in the bottom three. Now um, the club's president Carlos Mourinho called a, a rather impromptu news conference on Monday and, and you were there in attendance. What was that all about then? Well, I think it was about him wanting to put everything out on the table a bit to, to abort this critical situation that, that everyone is speaking about at Celta de Vigo at the moment. Uh, we had Hugo Mayo after the match yesterday against Real Valladolid going out and, and saying some quite harsh words about his teammates, basically saying that there's people here who, who are not giving everything and, and they should probably not be here. And that was one of the things that uh, Mourinho addressed today, saying that probably wasn't so much against his teammates, more against the team as a whole. 
Uh, he also wanted to go out and say that Celta have full confidence in Cardoso, who there's also been talk that he might be fired sooner or later. And more than that, he also wanted to address the transfer window and Celta's movements or non-movements during the transfer window, where he argued that it's very difficult for a club like Celta de Vigo to do any signings, the right signings, in, in a window like this because the prices are so high and they can't really compete with a lot of other clubs. All right. Uh, thank you very much indeed for that, Alex. That is eight games covered for you on Match Day 21. Let's just go through the remaining two for you. Sevilla thrash Levante 5-0. All the goals scored in the second half. Wissam Benyeda, Andre Silva, Elmudo Vasquez, a Pablo Sarabia penalty and then Quincy Promes had his spot kick saved but put home the rebound. And Sevilla now unbeaten in eight at home in La Liga and they've won seven of those. Levante down to 12th and they've conceded 40 goals. That's the worst in the division, more than Huesca. And Valladolid came from behind to beat Celta Vigo 2-1 at home. Pionicisto gave Celta the lead but the host started the second half strongly. Oscar Plano firing home from close range then Gecko with a rasping drive to complete the comeback. A Wesley Hoot was sent off for two yellow cards on his Celta debut on loan from Southampton. It is five straight defeats for Celta. The Galicians now in that bottom three. Pressure on Miguel Cardoso. Aguabadolid give themselves a bit of breathing space. It's a very welcome first win in eight games in all competitions for them. So let's tell you how the La Liga table looks after 21 rounds of fixtures. Barcelona remain top on 49 points. Atletico second on 44. Real Madrid third on 39. Sevilla fourth on 36. At the bottom Huesca pop up the table on 12 points. Villarreal still second bottom on 18 Celta now third bottom on 21 points and just above those Rayo and Leganes both have 23 that's just about it for this podcast so thank you for being with us uh, don't forget to check out our Twitter feed as well we are at La Liga Lowdown on Twitter if you want to give us a follow and hang out with us on social media and if you'd be ever so kind do give us a lovely review and a five star rating on this mini pod we would really appreciate it that's your La Liga Lowdown see you next time This was a Radio Stakhanov production.